Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, Deadly fans? It's the season finale here on the Deadly Class After Show, and things have gone 100% tits up. We will be talking all about the gang trying to retrieve Chico's head, Marcus and Fuckface and their little moment where he just wants a friend, the love triangle's back, and Sai and Maria's rocky friendship, as well as Lynn's journey just to try and save his daughter. Woo, doggy, stick around, because we got a lot to talk about. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Welcome back to the Deadly Class After Show. I'm feeling severely judged right now by Steven because I had a nice country twang going on. Welcome to Fuckface After Show here. It's the Fuckface Variety Hour here at AfterBuzz TV. We got to show the fans what we're about. We do. We're going to show the fans and discuss all of the season one finale of Deadly Class, Sync with California. I'm Veronica Valencia, and joining me to my left, we have... Raven French, hello. And Stephen Lemieux. As well as Angelica Trey. And as I had already mentioned, we will be talking all about this jam-packed mission just to try and get Chico's head, as well as some very sad deaths of our very own rats, and of course, all of the rocky relationships happening in this episode. But before we get into any of that... Guys, what did we think of the season finale? I'd like to channel Fuckface for just a second. Go for it. Do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know... Wow, that's not a good fuck face. Why wow, I really fucked it up. I just want. I just <laughs> let's just take 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 pride. Fuckface can be happy knowing that he got inside a dog one last time. Oh. 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 Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Wait, did Why? he? Yeah, I'd ate him. He had a moment. He had a yeah, moment but with the, the dog. dog got inside of him. No, I mean both. He's inside the dog now. Oh, yeah. Literally. <laughs> I'm Clearly so we know which parts stuck out to Steven most about this episode. <laughs> Look, the dog food episode. That's what I'll call this one. This is a great finale. This is, has everything that you need in a finale. Like, it's so frustrating to watch shows that don't wrap up storylines but keep a few open just to keep you interested. This wraps up storylines, makes us intrigued, changes the power dynamic with Lynn and Gal without getting rid of either of them, and it also sets up for a great episode one of season two. You have Diablo ready to you know, do some things. You have Lex possibly dead, possibly alive. You don't know. Saya's left the group, but she's also on the outs with Lynn now because of her leaving her post. And Marcus has found that realization now that he was being just like fuckface in some ways. And now he's like, no, I don't need to kill Reagan. A lot happened, but they kept enough open that I'm like, damn, season two is going to be lit as F, fam. I agree. <laughs> they definitely left a lot. So they tied up some of the loose ends that we were really wondering about. And obviously we haven't seen, you know, Willie too much or anything like that, but we saw the demise of Fuckface and it was just so intense. Everything built up and I don't, I mean, we're just going to have to wait for season two. I'm, I'm excited. I hope it comes in. I hope it comes back. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, we didn't see Willie. Expected to see Willie. Yeah, where's he? Where, where are <laughs> Willie? you, Willie? We're looking for you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think any of the predictions except for Lex, which Lex may not be dead. I actually hope he's not dead just because that would be sad. I, I would like to see the group back together. I do think it is a great setup for season two. Um, Gal is who I thought she was. And it was interesting to see that the daughter is the pawn <laughs> in the whole in the whole thing. Either yep. way, either with Diablo or with Gal, she was like the piece for the whole thing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to say, I completely agree with all of you guys. I think this season finale had tons of action, tons of things going on from beginning to end. I think it wrapped up certain characters' storylines, and we got to learn, obviously, a little bit more about our characters and got to see some of their vulnerable sides, which I thought was very touching, since, you know, a lot of these characters have to have hard exteriors to survive in their you know, in the world that they live in. So I'm very happy we had some of those touching moments. And I think it leaves a great cliffhanger and a great way to open season two, which again, we are hoping so much that we get a season two because it's a wonderful show. Uh, And it's funny, uh, Raven, because as soon as you said you gal was who you thought it would be, me and Angelica (laughs) had this look like, um, um, hold on, hold on. So let's get into Lynn Gao and Diablo, because that's how our episode started. So let's get into that storyline real quick. Do we think that Gao was involved in this? Yes. I think after this episode, we can say 100% certainty that Gao sent Diablo to Lynn's house. Uh, for one, Lynn's house is hidden behind, like, a weird doorway, right, where he exits mm-hmm. King's Dominion and it's, like, a secret place. I don't know how Diablo would have found out about that if Gao didn't know, already know about it before this season, but I could have gone to, okay, whatever. But the fact that Diablo showed up at the end at Shabnam's house, and Shabnam's the one who went to Gao and said, I know where they went, talking about the students. If Diablo was looking for Maria, Gao would have told him where she is. She would have been sending him there, which means they're in contact, which means that she was already sending him places to begin with. So, yeah, she's got... We were already kind of on the fence about whether Gal was super anti-Rat and super for the Legacies. I feel like she is complete Team Legacy at this point. Because she is interacting with the family of the cartel and the Legacies on a way of allies would. Because that's all she's ever known. Yeah. Right? So, Gal's entire life has been the Legacy. If she were to turn her back on that, then she'd essentially be turning her back on everything that she's ever been, everything she's ever, you know lived by and all the sacrifices she's made. I'm not sure if Gao sent Diablo there. Obviously, we did find out that Gao knew where he lived, but clearly he wasn't that secret about it. She could just find him that easy. Am I right? Yeah. I felt like Lin gave a lot away in this whole sequence of his personality. Like, when he was fighting, I personally would think Lin would be more tough to take on these enemies. And what I... You know, being the headmaster of an academy full of assassins, you would also think he would have more connections to kind of help him out during this whole running through the streets of San Francisco to save his daughter. Correct. And on top of that, clearly Gao wanted his daughter. He want he, like she wanted Naya, and so when Diablo was like sent to their house, it was with the clear purpose of killing Naya. So I don't think necessarily that Gao sent Diablo there. Do you guys think mm-hmm. Gao is on some level similar to Fuckface? Everyone on some level is similar to okay, Fuckface. Okay, thank you. They're all humans. But like I just mean in the in the <laughs> terms of in the terms of how he states his case in this episode, which we'll talk about later, 
Gal was sent off at a young age. It's the things that were done to her to turn her that way. And what is it that she hasn't felt? She didn't feel love from her family sending her off to that place. And she didn't feel love from Lynn not protecting her from being sent off to that place. Her intentions and motivations could be very similar to Fuckface. She's just more intelligent and more devious about it. I mean, I think that's a, a common running, like, theme throughout this entire show, though, is from what we've seen from most people's backstories is that they've been shunned, they've been hurt in some way, they've been, you know, um, smited or however, you know, by the world, by their parents, by people, um, and they have to sort of deal with the consequences of that. Just like Fuckface said in this episode, in this finale, um, society makes monsters because it needs them. It breeds them because it needs them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I agree with you, Angelica, in the sense that Gao wants to help Naya, I feel like. And obviously Diablo seemed like he was going there, too. What's that face, Steven? Continue. Sorry. She wants to help Naya. Help? Not help Naya, but not... She doesn't want her dead. How about that? She doesn't want her dead. And to Angelica's point, Diablo came there to the house to, from what it seems, kill Naya. I don't think... I think for me, Gao is not evil in the sense that she doesn't want to harm Naya. She only just, you know, wants to happen to like feel like she wasn't left behind and have the tradition keep going, if that makes sense. She definitely doesn't. I don't think she cares if Naya dies one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. I, think- I think she wins either way, right? Mm-hmm. She sends the niece off. The niece becomes just like her, and they can have a relationship on that level of, like, they're the same. They both got abandoned by their fathers. Because now Naya can grow up with the knowledge thinking that her dad didn't do enough and didn't try to save her anyway. And Honestly, just, if they made a spinoff show of that, I'd watch it. Right? That sounds great. <laughs> but if you, if, you, if you really, like, looking at it from the standpoint of Gal, you know, this is the perfect revenge. This is the perfect it way is. to get back at Lynn because it's like... Now she takes her daughter, sends her off. The daughter has to experience the, th- the same thing she does. So whether she killed the daughter or not, it's also a revenge against her father. It's not, even a, it's not even like a revenge against Lynn at this point to any degree. It's more like against her father. Like, you know what? He sent me off. You didn't protect me. Now I'm going to make you feel what it's like to send your daughter off. It's coming from a place of pain. Yeah, it definitely you know, is. Mm-hmm. But I still think she's evil. I think, yeah. like... If Naya died, she wouldn't care. If Lynn had died, she wouldn't care. She's just playing it by ear and going with the flow in the biggest way to hurt Lynn and change him over to her side. Yeah. What is the you failed? You failed to escape. You failed to protect your family. You failed to protect the secret. The secret's out. El Diablo knows. You I failed s- everything. And you failed to kill her. You failed assassin class. Right. You're a complete failure. Everyone F. kind of fails assassin yeah. class, as we saw this episode. No one is a, is a competent fighter. I think Billy was Peppermint. great. Peppermint. Peppermint did Peppermint a great job. Peppermint was a good fighter. I was going to say. So, and Maria also. Yeah, but Billy. But Billy. Billy, Billy got good. an A+. Plus. He, he did. did. He did good. Let's talk about Billy and kind of bringing back this love triangle with Billy, Petra, and Lex. Angelica, you wanted them to kiss. Oh, yeah. So the, the entire watch, watch along, uh, I was waiting for Petra and Billy to kiss. I remember just yelling, make out, the whole time. But She was that meme with, it's like, now kiss. Now basically. kiss. Do we still ship that, though? Petra and Billy? Yes. I do. Do any of us yeah. still ship it? Yeah. I think I think I have changed my mind. 
I think they could they could do it. The chemistry was not as good in the beginning of the season. I think the chemistry has grown a lot more, but I think that's also on the direction for Petra's character. Uh, It was her reactions to his dialogue from whether it's acting or a directing standpoint seemed a lot more revolted by what he's saying and how he acts than endeared to it. Mm -hmm. And there's a definite shift in like episode six where she starts being endeared. What he says starts becoming endearing to her. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. like Ross now to me on Friends. Or you're just <laughs> like, oh, you're just rooting for him. Yes, do it. That's what it's like now. No, oh, yeah. So we, I think we're seeing some sort of pairings going on, and what previously was maybe a love triangle with Lex in there. I, I think Petra is starting to really lean towards Billy, especially since all the the sweet things Billy's been saying, and it's been hard, I think, for Petra to sort of let other people in and become vulnerable. So we, you know, as Steven just mentioned, it was a little tense maybe at the beginning of the season, but I think the love has blossomed. They've warmed up to each other. They chose me. I I do have to admit that I think their interactions this episode were very sweet, but I don't know if Petra and Billy could survive as a couple because I personally feel like Petra needs both Lex and Billy. She kind of needs them in her life as friends to to get the love that she never got from family or anybody else. Maybe. Like as a support system. Yeah, I don't know. But you know what? Let's just say that, you know, Marcus had friends that were a support system and that didn't work out too well for him when he started dating one of them. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Also, but Marcus was just kind of selfish, and his friends went along with it. Guys like Billy eventually wear the girl down. <laughs> what? No, Billy's no, a sweetheart. No, no, she, no, she means, like, get the girl. She right. means get the girl. He, he doesn't uh, give up. He's not offended by any any of her. Well, you know, it also helps when you pay Diablo to kill your rival. I'm just kidding. He didn't pay Diablo. No, but Side plot. it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty convenient there, Billy, that Lex gets a bullet in himself at the end of the season when you're just getting it on with Petra. They but almost kiss too. Yeah. Yeah. But also, could that make them not get together because oh, she's mourning the death of Lex, who she did care about in a sense. You can tell. True. Writing is struggle. Mm-hmm. If things go too well, it's not good writing. So yeah. poor we Billy. didn't see Lex die. It's we true. Did we did not. And if I, I do have a theory on that, right? So Lex just went through this this horrifying moment of almost becoming the first saving Private Ryan moment of the knife going through his heart super slowly, which is the hardest scene in movies to watch ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like maybe he went around the house and like put something under his shirt because he's like, nope, nope, not again. Like you know when you get like, oh yeah, where somebody chokes you or something for the next like week or two, you're like definitely on edge around anything around your neck. Mm-hmm. Don't comment on it. Um, Mike, I feel um, like he had that hole in his chest and he was probably super freaked out by it. He could have picked up like a plate or picked up something in that house. They're surrounded by like random hillbilly stuff. Maybe they have bulletproof vests or something lying around that he decided to put on just because he was like so shaken. Well, we do know they have a steel reinforced door. Right? Explicitly said. Where do hillbillies get that? I don't know, but I mean, where did the, the kids got C4, so... What's the word right now, guys, if we're on the Bird. topic of let, Lex? Dead or alive? Live. This is different from the comics, I'm yes, assuming, this too. Is, this is my opinion on the show. Got it. Dead. Dead. I think he's alive. Dead. Really? 50-50 here, guys. We're going to open on season two 
And it's going to be a cemetery, like, just everyone, they're carrying the casket out. I don't even know if they would do a traditional cemetery. I think they would just leave them and be like, sorry, Lex. I think season <laughs> two rows. Season two has got to open with Willie come, coming with his crew. Seriously, where was Willie this entire episode? I right? We were talking about it last week, and I think even up until the very end, we thought, oh, he might just pop in at the very last minute and, like, join the party and save somebody. But he had... He wasn't in this episode at all. Complete no shot. Willie is now pursuing uh, be- becoming an actor in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's actually Barry. It's a spinoff of the Barry series. Yes. He changed his name to uh, Billiam, and Billy- he's now pursuing Billiam an Shakespeare. I hate career. that so much. <laughs> That's great. No, I think, I think Willie rolls up with his crew, actually, this time, and they drag Lex's body into the car before they even realize that Lex is alive. And he's just going to, like, cough and sit up, and he's like... Oh, you're going to have that moment. They gave us the Indiana Jones moment this episode. You know they're playing with these 80s movie tropes. Mm. Obviously, Indiana Jones was Crystal Skull one that is more recent and we don't talk about. But the whole hiding in the freezer from everything and the explosions and stuff. I don't know. And then what did we think about... Because Billy finally, he for sure kills somebody. He nuts up. He is the result of someone being dead as opposed to like trying to kill his dad and epically failing at that. Now we talked about Will killing his dad come back to haunt him. Do we think having a real kill will come back to haunt him? He was defending his friend. He was saving his friend. I don't think so. Who did he save in that moment? Um, didn't he save Lex? He was saving Lex, yeah. He was saving Lex, yeah. Yeah, He he grabbed a chain, wrapped it around the guy's throat. Killed him. So I think it was like a dog choke chain like or something. In, something. Just like a reaction. He wasn't even thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we've gotten through his dad dying in front of him, I don't think this is going to affect him as much as before. And if we glossed over it with his dad, I don't think we're going to we're gonna dwell too long on a nameless hillbilly in the house. You know? I can't believe I killed Jed. And then for the next, <laughs> like, three episodes, he's talking about Jed and PCP and all that crap. Um, I did think that uh, he had some really, really strong dialogue this episode. Uh, favorite line of the episode, honestly, even with all the fuckface stuff and Marcus, favorite line of the episode is when he's talking to Petra and he says, it just kind of feels like a dreamlike state, like you don't believe you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's so relatable when you're in those moments that you never thought you'd be in. And it's crazy. It's like, have you ever gotten like a big car accident or something like that? Or even if you just... Get a big break and you're on stage for the first time. It's those moments where, like, you can't believe you're in those moments. And I haven't heard it said that way, and it just was very relatable, I think. Yeah. thought that was a really good line, too. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of good lines. For a minute, I thought you were going to choose the line of him saying to Petra, you chose me, which completely just ruined the entire moment. That's what he's known <laughs> for. It's endearing. Why, I mean, why didn't they just make out? Right? Because tits yeah. up! Tits Things up! Go tits up. Tits up. They gotta blow the door, or attempt to blow the door. They do. They'll they'll get in. They'll get in somehow. But before we move on to our next topic, everyone, I'm just gonna turn it over to Steven, who has a special announcement for you Ladies and gentlemen, 
Hey guys, before we move on to our, like, why do I think, why do you when keep, I think yeah. about it, I can't do it. When I don't think about it, when I don't think about it, I can do it. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and tell you what you can do to help us because we want to continue doing the Deadly Class After Show and we want this place to still be around in a year when the season comes back for season two, right? So the one right. way you can help us is make us more searchable and make more people see the show by sharing it with a friend, going to iTunes, giving us a rating and a comment. We got six ratings, but only three comments, guys. Three comments. I believe there's more people who love Fuckface than three. I believe that there's more people that need to say something about right. every character on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to say something about the show. Uh, no matter where you are, you can be a part of the conversation by commenting on iTunes and commenting on YouTube. Shout out to everyone who has so far, because we love you. <laughs> that wasn't creepy. We That's, love yeah. you way more than Marcus loves Maria. Uh, shout out to people in the chat. Marco Noveas, Sky Patterson, Renji90998, William Carr, Purple Cupfish, and Wilson Tavera. Obviously, Javier Quintanilla and Chase Dottery. You guys, the best. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We got 41 people in the chat. I want to know what everyone thought of the finale in the chat, so please post it. But yeah, we're going to continue to do great shows like this as we move forward. Yes, we will. And is is this like hashtag renew deadly class is that like something that we should like start get, now i'm pretty sure it's like been a thing no we started it but let's keep just doing now. it yeah <laughs> right. this is ours I didn't, right. I didn't do a hashtag but i did uh benjamin on his twitter he was talking about the finale and i said season two and a bunch of people liked it so i think uh there's a lot of people backing this there's a lot of people that want a, a season two. why would we not why would you not lots of rats exactly. out here Mm-hmm. Don't let the legacy TV producers win. Don't Mm-mm. us rats got to rise up. Don't let the legacy Ooh. win, you guys. We got to kill Reagan. Season whoa. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. You took it too far. <laughs> moving on. It's intense. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to uh to uh our not so Reagan killer anymore. Marcus. Not so Reagan. The new Disney TV not show. Disney, <laughs> not so Reagan. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> We're losing it. <laughs> Sorry. Peppermint, no. Peppermint, no. I want that on a shirt. Right. Uh, <laughs> Maybe so a yeah, Mar- Marcus and Fuckface. Guys, guys, I, I fell for that. I don't know about. I don't. I was gonna say. I don't know about you, but that hit me real hard. The Fuckface hey. Variety Hour is the best show on television. It's the David Letterman for people who care. It's for a great people, show. For people yeah. who care. Yeah. I liked the sign. That, that was sign a crafty was amazing. sign. Yeah. He had a lot of time to put that together, obviously. Mm-hmm. When he's not stalking Marcus or murdering, he's participating in arts and crafts and movie props. He's a crafty dude. He did is. we believe his words? Did we believe he was touched? Oh, God, I did. I, I believed. So. I believed everything. I, I yeah, I was so sad. I was when Marcus decided to attack the person who's been after him for the past few weeks? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to the person who's been backing up all the bad guys, so to speak, in this. Where I'm like, they're just coming from a place of sadness. I mean, it really, it was hard. For me, it was like, damn, because we just had Tom Stevenson talking about how there's so much like brothers, and then they have that scene, you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I. Yeah. And having him, well, I guess he's too much of a rogue to be in the school, but we talked about that a little bit. Like, Buckface being a part of the school. Right. I would love to see him at King's Dominion. I think he would flourish. I think he would have all the friends. I think he'd be the most popular guy in school. But his idea of friendship is like torturing people he's friends with. He just needs some love. 
Well, I don't think he considers Marcus a friend currently. I think in the past he considered Marcus his best friend. And then after Marcus, quote unquote, betrayed him and, you know, burned him, quite well, literally. Right. It's, it's interesting when you when you talk about, like, bullying and things like that. Because there's a lot of bullies out there who view that as their form of friendship. Where, like, if people, they don't even realize they're bullying somebody until somebody's like, no, mm-hmm. I hate it when you do this stuff. And they're like, wait, what? So... I could see the justification within Fuckface's mind where he actually thought that, like, Marcus was his friend. It's like, we're both in this shitty situation, so we'll treat each other like shit. And then it's really not even the betrayal of that. It's more just taking the credit for the kills that set him off. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a weird direction to go, but I liked it. Well, I mean, in terms of uh, Fuckface's character, you know, thinking they're friends, how would he ever know how to properly show affection mm-hmm. if he's never properly received it so that yeah that makes sense that his character or um you know fuckface himself would think oh we were just friends we're just palling around and stuff like that so he was close with chico yeah chico was a good friend of his they bonded okay. and now they're together again yeah <laughs> it's taking me everything not to bring up something about a dog right now peppermint 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 no, no. Oh. heel <laughs> uh, no, it's funny because when we were doing the watch along, we were talking about, oh, will Fuckface come back in, you know, upcoming seasons kind of as a flashback like Rory was. And I, here's here's my thought, and I want to see what you guys think about this. I think he would come back almost as like a burden or kind of like um, a bad me- uh, memory in the sense that I think Marcus might come to lose a lot of his friends. I think he's kind of lost Saya, because Saya's kind of over everyone in general. I think, depending on what happens to Lex, we obviously see that Billy and Petra and Lex are closer. He's he's clearly lost Maria. He's already lost Willie. Willie's gone. So I think it's going to be that sad feeling. Like, he's it's gonna he's going to keep popping up in his head, like, I was your only friend. You saw him, your only friend. All these people left you. I mean, it does it does raise the raise the point that it would make sense from a writing standpoint for Lex to be dead. Because the only thing that could really drive a wedge between all the existing people outside of Saya and Maria would be Lex's death at the expense of something that Marcus convinced them all to do. Yeah. And it would definitely make Willie think twice about being friends with him after Willie's like, no, I'm not going to die for this cause, and then Lex actually dying for this cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was kind of saying earlier about Marcus kind of being selfish is that he's Granted, he can spin it and kind of say, oh, we're doing it to achieve Chico's head so that no one knows what's going on. But at the end of the day, he's getting what he wants and having all of his friends put their life on their line on the line to kill his arch nemesis. Yeah, I mean, they were not prepared for what they did that night. No, they were not. They were not. Uh, we saw it from the beginning with as soon as they're getting ready, they're all fighting. They don't know the plan. Lex is complaining about <laughs> knowing the plan. But they're better trained than a SWAT team, Supposedly. is what they believe. Uh yeah, this just did not shape. I think it went way better than I thought it would go. You know what? They Definitely. were able to hold their own. I have right? to admit. Definitely. Yeah. Well, they achieved they achieved the main goal that they went in there for. They were taking down the hillbillies. So if they achieve that main goal, I guess it's okay. But it did feel like a lot of fumbling in there. It was. I was going to say, like, the hillbillies kind of took care of themselves. Because Peppermint took care of Fuckface. The weird chainsaw guys took care of each other. 
And then, you know... Well, tall tall man. Tall tall acid guy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tall acid guy. Powerful acid. Holy wow. shit. Wow. Wow. That was brutal to watch. I like that they were using their tools that they learned from the classes throughout the season, though. It was nice mm-hmm. to see something from the school actually transfer over to be, mm-hmm. have a practical use. Mm-hmm. I was going to I feel <laughs> like this episode was a very good uh, feature for both Lex and Petra, and showing what they're most skilled at. Lex obviously kind of being the the more brilliant mind behind explosives and Petra being really knowledgeable about different types of poisons and acids and everything. So I think it was great at showing their skills. Um, are we still... We can still mention Fuckface and Marcus right now. That's what we're... Yes, yes. So what I really thought was intriguing is this whole series seems to be basically Rick Remender's commentary on the government and commentary on the state of humanity right now. And I think Fuckface was a really great pedestal for that commentary to be delivered through because what's he actually saying in that moment? Like, we're in a time where Netflix has the Bundy tapes and then we're getting a movie about Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. And people, every day on the news, it's all about the shootings and it's all about people dying and it's all about this stuff. And even in the show... What is the show without Gal, and what is the show without El Diablo in that last scene? We need mm-hmm. the monster. We're only watching Deadly Class because it has the monsters in it. Otherwise, it's just a show about students who complain about cheating. It's just, you know, another high school drama. So it is kind of an interesting commentary, but straight up, Fuckface is telling it truth on how American media is nowadays. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he was, it was definitely a kind of eye-opening commentary a little bit there. But I would like to point out, I was trying to unmonster the monsters this whole time. <laughs> They're coming from a place of fear. It's yeah. a place of fear. <laughs> and, and a lot of it can be nurture, I think. And so. the victims are coming from a place of deserved it, I guess, right? Is that what it is? Victims? Well, the people who got murdered. No. Don't try to imply <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that's, Don't that's try to imply. I'm being a dick. I'm sorry. Let's continue. <laughs> no, but I was just going to say, Stephen, I like the point that you brought that up because... He, he was being very honest about, you know, his thoughts, and they were the truth. And I like the fact that he kind of opens that whole statement with the question of what makes a monster. Because we have spent the past ten episodes learning and growing with these characters, and we see that they all have very traumatic backstories. So we've kind of learned to sympathize with them in that sense. But from the opening episode, on the surface level everyone's kind of seen as a monster because they're basically being trained to go out and kill people. Yeah, but have no, not yeah, but but yeah, you're right. And I just love that the most unrelatable character in this show really is Fuckface. He's just a white hillbilly who fucks animals and kills random people on the street and videotapes it. Yet, what have we been saying all season? Oh my what? god, I love Fuckface. This is the best yeah. character. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, why are we watching this show, man? Tom Stevens is great in this show. It just proves the point. Like, the most one of the most interesting characters on the show is the fucking monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The what appalls us is what sort of drives us. What attracts us to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought it was if if you were to end Deadly Class after season one with that ending, or however they tied everything up, I'm not saying they would because I really hope it gets a season two, it's a very satisfying commentary on the current state of American media. Mm, right. Yep. No, I agree. Told through saying. the 80s. Who, yeah, so so essentially, you know, what is good, what is bad. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was starting to see myself, you know, relate more, especially after this episode, to Fuckface. And I, I was getting mad at Marcus, especially last episode. <laughs> 
So, yeah, those lines are definitely blurred. I mean, we yeah. four episodes in, we had Raven saying, you gotta kill your dad for therapy. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Yeah. And she About still wants Millie to kill somebody. Indefinitely changed forever. <laughs> and I yeah. like fuckface. I do. I, I wanted, I was mad at Marcus. Raven like, wanted one thing, and it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> right, right, we're mad at Marcus for hitting him in the head. Yes, because I, I, in that moment, I believed that Fuckface was being sincere, and yes. obviously Marcus didn't believe him, and his way of getting out of it was to smack him in the head with like a brick or something. I Right, that's what happened? I don't know. I was mad. Like, I agree with you, Angelica and Stephen and Raven. I was mad at him in that moment. I was too. Well, I mean, if fuckface got me, yeah. I think I think it's I think that's such a great thing about the show, though, is that there's so many characters that you love one minute and then disagree with the next minute, and it's just a whole lot of gray area where you get to explore, and every character has a moment that's really deep and interesting and developing, growing their character, and I love it. They yeah. turned the damn audience, they turned us into freaking Maria. Yeah, this <laughs> all over the place. abusive character. Basically. This is all the over the place. Worst. I was acting from a place of fear, and now we're just, fuck face, Marcus, no. I love Maria. <laughs> and honestly, I was getting mad at Saya, but now, after Saya's, you know, departure and what she said, I was starting to relate to that, too. It's just mm-hmm. really interesting characters now that, here, and, and their gray area. Let's talk about Saya and Maria and their dysfunctional friendship. Let's talk about them just doing nothing to help the situation <laughs> this entire each episode. They had to get that aggression out after all of this buildup, but what have we learned Ladies, I don't when know. you're breaking into a house full of hillbillies, that is not the time to get your aggression out. That's called Jerry Springer. We've well, now we learned it. Chicks before dicks, guys. You, now that Marcus is out of the picture, their friendship can become what it was. But he their was friendship's the, over. It's inevitably over. I'm no, using that word a lot. I'm sorry. You probably haven't seen it in, in real life because you're a guy. But in real life, aside from the murder and, you know, slicing her... Most things that happen in the show. Aside (laughs) from that. Aside from all of that, I've seen girls have these kind of guy-in-the-middle situation. And when the guy is gone, the friendship somehow over time, when the love is there, gets back together. Well, I think think what happened with with that and that sort of love triangle, a bit a love triangle, I'm not sure what we should call it right now, but... Essentially, it was exacerbating issues that were already within that friendship. And it started Mm -hmm. once she stopped taking her meds, really, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that it was just showing that Saya was having a hard time opening up to people and that she would sort of rely on, you know, that friendship and maybe having somewhat maybe of what Maria had. It definitely felt a little bit like a jealousy thing at some points, especially during that Vegas trip. Uh, just going along with that, Maria needing to fill that void of affection that she needs in her life, looking for that stable rock, looking in the wrong place because Marcus is not a rock. He is, I don't know what he is. He is like Ooh, the opposite. Like a rock. What's the he opposite is, of a rock? He's yeah. he's a gentle he's a sponge. breeze. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, that was. Um, I think it was more so of a, you know, Marcus coming in and not necessarily him sort of foiling their friendship, but rather bringing out some pre-existing issues. Yeah. All off medication, though. Yeah. Maria did not help things in that situation. Uh, Not saying Marcus did either. I do have to point out just how reminiscent this fight of fight is with Saya and Maria of Kill Bill Volume 2. After... uh, 
she goes to the trailer and sees the eye patch lady. I can't remember the the snake name right now. And she says, "That's right, I killed your master." And then it cuts to the head, and it's like the <laughs> yeah. color is like doo, doo, doo. Mm. like classic. Loved it. Quentin Tarantino moment in this episode. Phenomenal. Yeah. 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 No, okay. I, agree. I mean we we all yeah. Sorry the, the that color I got block it. was great. <laughs> My favorite was the cut to. Oh. The cut to. Um, mm-hmm. When they're became, fighting and yeah. it cuts back to Lynn fighting the other guy. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's yeah, like that throwing was, against the so wall. Cool. Ooh, no. Everyone loves a hallway scene, like a hallway fight scene. Oh, so good. Everyone loves a daughter getting kidnapped and taken away to the triads. Oh, man. That's what we yeah. watched for. That's you know? what I relate to. That's, yeah. that's, what, that's what I'm here for. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the daughter. We have to give her a shout out. She... She did a she good came, job. She, she did a good job. She did yes. come through with that wooden plank. I don't know where she, she got that she from. she said, here. I said, what? Here? I'm like, okay, daughter. So everyone's high on PCP. They basically feel like gods. If you break their legs, they'll keep coming at you. It basically makes you feel no pain and feel like you're a god. People mm-hmm. have been shot six times and just kept going for, like, minutes afterwards. You know yeah. interesting things. Um, My... <laughs> My ex's dad was a cop, told us about some stories with PCP. Yeah, it's crazy. Look it up. You'll be like, holy crap, all of this stuff is legitimate. Even the guy with the acid burning off his face and still being alive while that's going on after being stabbed and everything, legitimate. Uh, Do you think that Maria would have just stood there and watched as I got her throat cut by that crazy lady? No. I think... I think Maria, even though she was really mad and she obviously has these spirals of deep depression and, you know, wanting to obviously get back at Saya for what happened with Marcus, I think deep down inside there would still be a part of her that would just kind of go off with like a switch of like, oh no, that's your friend. Don't do it. It would probably be down to the very last second, but I don't, I do think that there is a part of Maria that knows at least bef- at that moment, who her friends were, and she wouldn't let that happen, even though she was really pissed off. Yeah, that makes sense. She just yeah. would have, like, let it get to a certain point. Yeah. I mean, look at how many years of abuse she had to endure with Chico to finally snap, you know? And that was defending another friend. Yeah. Takes a lot. Mm-hmm. Takes a lot to, uh, to at least for Maria, to kill those mm-hmm. close to her. It takes two to make a hillbilly fight. Do we... <laughs> We kind of maybe already got Raven's opinion on this, and feel free to chime in some more. Do we think this friendship is repairable? Is Do you think it can be fixed? Yeah, but I think it's creating a larger arc for, like, at least one or two seasons down the line. I don't think it... I think it's going to be one of those, like, uh, thirst traps for relationship people where they're like, we're going to get those scenes where they, like, seem normal again because they're in danger, but then as soon as something's going to happen that tears them apart again, and it's going to be, like, an arc that kind of is... The, the the beginning step is their split. The end step is they're together at the end, but it's going to have lots of rivets throughout it. Because mm-hmm. I don't see it happening yeah. overnight or next season completely. Because I think Maria at this point needs to probably, if Willie doesn't pull up in his Cadillac or something and save the day, she's going to have to throw them under the bus so hardcore to avoid the wrath yeah. of El Diablo. We don't think Sayo can come back and kill them? Maybe she, maybe she didn't leave. She out. She's pretty much done with him. And on a very mm. quick note, what did we think of that final moment where Diablo is seeing his son's head wrapped in our Marcus's arms? Is that leftovers? It's not looking good. It's not looking <laughs> no. good for Marcus there holding that. Uh, I definitely think Diablo looked a little pained 
Uh, so clearly he saw it, but who knows what he's going to do next. Probably act out of some crazy, passionate rage, I'm assuming. We're thinking of it from one perspective, though, and the other perspective could be that he does not know about Fuckface or anything of the sort. And I feel like could, he doesn't. And it could be that Marie and Marcus went, it could come out looking like Marie and Marcus and all of them went to go get revenge for Chico and Wait, kill Were Fuckface. we looking at it from that perspective? Because I thought we were looking at it from. No, from we're looking side. at it from the perspective of he's going to think that they killed Chico. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what it looks like. I'm saying that. From El Diablo's perspective, if they play it a different way, it could say, no, we found out who killed Chico and we wanted to kill him ourselves because Chico was our friend or for Maria's sake. I don't think Diablo he... already knows, doesn't he? Diablo knows that Lynn told him something and Lynn lied. Mm-hmm. And Gao doesn't know the full truth unless Maria told her the full truth, which at this point I don't think she did. So because Gao and, Lin, and uh, El Diablo are talking, mm-hmm. honestly, at this point I don't think El Diablo would care. His son is dead. He's seeing his son's dead head in this kid's arms. I don't think he cares at this point. His son's dead. He's going to get revenge on whoever I know, is but involved. What I'm saying is, is he sees his son's dead head in his arms, but they retrieved the head. It wasn't a sign yeah. of disrespect. It was look at all these dead hillbillies that we just killed to get revenge for your son Chico. And that's just something that's going to have to be resolved in a hopeful season two. And guys, I think we should kind of get into some predictions of what we think would happen in season two. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Angelica, how about you go first? So I'm thinking for season two, Lex will not survive. I'm thinking that Saya is going to disappear for a bit. She's going to go off and do her own thing. Willie is going to have to confront, um, you know, and really look inside of himself and, and reflect on things and probably end up coming back to King's Dominion. Lynn is going to be completely broken. But what we thought Lynn was, he's at the beginning of season one, he's going to be at the beginning of season two now. He's lost both mm-hmm. of his... Uh, he's his actually going to be that person. Family, exactly. Um, so the facades are coming down now, and we're seeing a lot of people just sort of, I guess, essentially facing their issues and, like, their, I guess, the dark side that everyone has within them and their lies. I think they play it off like they just retrieved Chico's head for El Diablo and I think Lex gets up and we everyone lives to fight another day but then at school the the big drama is happening that uh because of Saya's failure Marcus is going to be dragged into that because he was her charge and my Saya and Marcus are going to have forced to be together in in some kind of way based on punishment from Lynn and mm-hmm. Lynn's going to be the the hard ass that Gao always wanted him to be but he's going to use it as a way to harden the rats as opposed to harden the legacy students. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, I think the second season will be um, restoring order back Mm -hmm. to the school, and I do agree that um, Lynn will be harder just because of the loss he just went through, especially with Saya not following orders, and everybody was kind of rogue in his school. So I think he is going to be about restoring order. I don't know who Mm -hmm. will have who will take charge between the two of them, but I think it'll be about that. 
I agree with you, Stephen and Angelic. I think that Lynn is going to be a hard ass. He's going to be the person who we always assumed he was at the beginning of this season. I think Saya is obviously going to have to deal with some sort of punishment for what happened with Lynn's wife, and I think that would honestly probably just like eat her up inside with guilt. I'm curious about what's going to happen with Marcus, Saya, and the cartel after that ending. There's just a lot that I think we can explore, so I really hope we get that season two so that we get the chance to explore it. But unfortunately, that is all the time that we have, and that was our season one coverage of Deadly Class. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Obviously, we're sad because like it was, it was a wonderful show, guys. Yes, thank you, guys. Great panel here. I'll say it, because we were. Angelica, where can the fans continue to find you on social media? Well, I'm Angelica Trey, and you can find me on most platforms at A-Trey. A-Y-Y-T-R-A-E. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, and let's just say I hope that that video that Fuckface has edited and created gets out somewhere next season. I think that would be really fun. (laughs) That would be a good season promo. Drug dealer guy made it out. He made it out. Oh, that would be a great season promo. I love it. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for watching all season. Please hit that thumbs up. There's 44 of you, so there should be 44 more thumbs up. Yeah. Yep. Raven French. You can find me on all platforms at Raven French. And I'm Veronica Valencia. You find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Me, Veronica V. Thank you again so much, everyone, for tuning into the Deadly Class After Show. Thank you to this amazing panel for covering the show. And most importantly, guys, let's dedicate this episode to Jaden. Jaden! Bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.